that image that that's like what's so hot and that's like the ultimate goal that is the unicorn of course he didn't give any thought of what it would be like to have two girlfriends or two wives did he yeah <laughs> yeah well and it's, it is very much a yeah. fantasy kind of thing Hey ladies, and welcome back to Herspective. And we're only 11 days away from Christmas. Jess, you must be like bursting at the seams because you are like the Christmas queen. Yeah, so obviously I do my countdown daily and I'm well aware that it's only 11 days and it's like pretty late in the day. So we're almost at like 10 days and... (laughs) (laughs) Basically 10. Yeah. How if you count like to... Tomorrow's pretty much over because it's a work day, so it's like really nine, and then it's basically the weekend, so like it's pretty much tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and you know what? I th- really think we should do the countdown till Christmas Eve because Christmas Eve is almost just as fun. A lot of people do a lot of the you know Christmas stuff where you see some family you might not see on the on the day, the twenty fifth. So let's just do the countdown of that. So it's like like a couple days away. <laughs> sure. Are you like asking my permission? Because I'll give it to you. You can count down till Christmas Eve instead of Christmas. I mean, I think if we agree to it here, then it's kind of <laughs> then blah, I have so. to participate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's just start it now. Okay. We have, both have to be on board of that. And let's just start the trend. Okay. Trend started. You, you heard, heard it here. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Jinx! Well, speaking of Christmas, we had quite the Christmas event uh, this weekend. We did our annual girls' Christmas. I I hesitate to use the word party, but um, there was a small group of us. Don't worry, we were COVID safe, so don't come for us. Yeah, it was a, a girls' Christmas secret Santa, very mature event, you know, nothing really to report, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just wish. fucking kidding. Obviously not. <laughs> Well, let me tell you what happens while you were there. But let us tell our listeners what happens when five girls, after being cooped up for nine months and not really being able to get together like they normally would and do the things that they would normally do, what happens when they get together after that time and they're released into the wild and we are two of the five that yeah. we're referring to and if you think we're gonna say things like a house fire or anything like that <laughs> you could be right <laughs> you are right so yeah within the first half an hour of our get together in my home there was a small kitchen yeah. fire which jess did not handle well no you know i'm surprised I'm, I think I'm just as surprised about that as you are. No, I think you're not. I think you knew exactly <laughs> that that is how you would react to any potential danger. And well, <laughs> as soon as you saw the flames, you screamed and ran out of the house. And then when you decided to return, you your assistance was to <laughs> gingerly wave a tea towel about <laughs> Still kind of in panic mode, doing literally nothing to solve the problem of the fire trying to escape my oven. I think that I I wish I could say that you and I have differing perspectives of the events that <laughs> night, but you are dead on. I and you know, the worst part is like I can't even back it up. I can't even explain anything because I like I said, I 
would have thought I would have reacted in a very different way. And instead, <laughs> I didn't. That was embarrassing, man. Like, <laughs> I'm a fucking adult woman. I thought I'd be like, holy fuck. Okay, we got to deal with this. So I'm like, bitch, peace out. Bye. Good luck to your house. Y'all got this. Good luck okay. with the fire in your house. Yeah. I'm out. I'm not burning alive. <laughs> Goodbye. I mean, every man or woman in this case, for themselves, apparently. (laughs) But we already know that you don't, like, typically do well in high-pressure, intense situations. Like, you've had other scenarios, like babysitting children that didn't end super great for you or the child. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's true. (laughs) I mean, you're great with kids as long as they don't poo or barf well or like cry. directly on me or on yeah i mean if they don't have any bodily <laughs> functions on your body you're good that's kind of like my going feeling for most interactions with humans if you don't <laughs> shit on me we'll probably be good although uh. <laughs> i do have to say you don't mind a old spit in the mouth once in a while <laughs> I guess I get specific about bodily fluids. And I spit in that guy's mouth. He didn't spit in mine. <laughs> I stand corrected. I don't think I... I don't know if I'd be so open as to receive that. But anyways, this Sorry, took a we little digress. We digress. I digress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All relevant, though, unfortunately. So... <laughs> Quick recap. First 30 minutes. House fire. By the end of the yep. evening, we had just turned into, like, complete and utter savages where we were smashing our friend's hand with one of my christmas albums yeah the the children's christmas album (laughs) (laughs) full of pictures of my rosy cheek children and santa yeah santa (laughs) we're like hey use this this will work good yes no honestly that is the grossest event that's ever happened in our friendship history Um, I don't know about that. Oh, my fucking God. You took it harder than most of us. Like I said, we were like savages and the rest of us were like, do it, do it. Somehow, though, I was the one to do it. Uh, Yeah, that is odd. But to fill our listeners in, (laughs) we have a friend who has what is called a ganglion. If you don't know what that is, Google it. uh, That grows on her hand and it's a significant size lump. And it's just like... It's like the size of a toonie or a macaron. A macaron? A macaroon. Yeah. No, it's called a macaron. I watch a lot of Zumbo's Just Desserts and Sugar Rush on Netflix. I have never heard it called a macaron. It's a macaron. It's a macaroon. We'll, we'll fact check that. Anyway, yeah, back Google to that. the ganglion. Yeah. <laughs> It's a massive growth. It's like of a fatty what, fluid? tissue de- fluid Air. deposit and um, yeah. error <laughs> mutation. I don't know what the fuck it was. Freak. <laughs> uh, anyway, no, it often happens if there's like weird impact or repetitiveness. Like I actually had one on my wrist um, from boxing and my bicep not absorbing the impact. That's what I was told by the doctor. Anyway, oh. I did not have it smashed in with a How did you get rid of it? What, yeah, tell our listeners the real way to remove this first, just so we're all aware of the situation. Okay, first of all, I don't know. It went away by itself. Okay. Second of all. <laughs> Helpful. So our friend who still still owns the gang clan on her hand. Well, not anymore. You know, alcohol is a factor, usually is in these situations, and uh, she did want it gone, and I had enlightened her to the fact that I had heard 
that when people have ganglions, it's often treated by smashing it with a heavy book. Like I love how you innocently <laughs> say that you enlightened her. You fucking threw a little like salt on this fire and was like, let's see what will happen here. <laughs> Well, she was really was into the idea. Passing on knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm here for. That's yeah. what I do. Right, I see that. I, I, so she liked the idea. I think is important to note, and was totally <laughs> game mean, we didn't for. Hold her down or anything. <laughs> no, but I wouldn't have been surprised at that point <laughs> in the night. <laughs> Just let me smash it! Damn it! Oh um, so she volunteered her hand. And alas, we did not have a large encyclopedia just uh, hanging around my home. <laughs> and so I am the encyclopedia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to slide that one in there. <sighs> it took a turn. Jess ended up smashing her hand a few times pretty violently with the only co- oh book type <laughs> item that was nearby. As forementioned, the... Christmas album with my children Small and Santa children. in it. Yes, and and Santa, not just the kids. Like, <laughs> look away, Santa. Worst. I mean, again, I I'm still unsure of how that happened and how somehow I was the one to do it. What the fuck? You were kind of forced into it. I mean, we were all like really chanting you on, and you did object, but I'm then like, you did. Yeah, I'll fucking do this. <laughs> and then you did it a couple times, actually. <laughs> Don't unleash the beast. <laughs> but then I also did it in fairness. I really Yeah, we all like, really joined whacked in. <laughs> and while while our other friend filmed the goings on. I could not even watch that video the next day. Like I literally when it was in the group chat, I'm like, I refuse to open this video. I do not even want to see somebody's hand violently get hurt by my hands. <laughs> So if you ever want to know what goes on at girls' parties, these are the kinds of things. Usually, though, they, like, also include, like, ridiculous dancing, a lot of attempts at twerking. Usually someone's naked or most people are naked. Uh, Shockingly, we weren't naked. But, you know, COVID safety, like I said. And, yeah, fires, violence, nakedness, drugs, alcohol. It's just, it's a well-rounded party. I mean, after how many years do you expect to add a few more words to that list? So this year's additions (laughs) were fire and ganglion. And violence. (laughs) We've always included, you know, Santa is fair. Or <laughs> weed or nakedness, but we we're just maturing. This was a first for us. This yeah. was a first for all of us. Yeah, gross. But like I said, that's what happens when you get cooped up for nine months, and you just like there's so many things that you have to just like unleash. Yeah, right? like, yeah, shit goes wild. We forget how to cook equals fire, and then an opportunity to like unleash that beast. So you said we <laughs> pounced on oh, it. Oh yeah. Um, so it is a learning experience. I will learn now. Well, I'll try to like force myself to learn how to like panic better. I know that I'm not a good panicker. I think that's the wrong like way to say that. I think you want to say not panic, not panic. Better. Well, I think if I was even panicking a little bit better, that situation would have been better. <laughs> but I wasn't. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, I, I mean, let's not get out of hand here. I'm sure I'm very dramatic. I'm sure I'll still always panic, but I just like to do it a little bit better. Okay. Well, we, I, you know, I, I hope 
that you do. Thank and you. I'll, Me too, uh, for the sake of like any fires or you. dwellings in my vicinity. You're hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, it was a great night all in all. Otherwise, everyone got fun presents. We had great chats, good food, far too much food. And we closed it off with a little smashing yeah, of someone's nice. hand. So, you know, standard. <laughs> yeah, I think it was time to go. <laughs> and that was our signal to okay. end the night. <laughs> Love, love the Christmas holidays. Love the, <laughs> love yeah. the Christmas spirit. Are people still listening to this episode? Because honestly. No, they're like, what the fuck's a ganglion? I gotta go. <laughs> like, why? <laughs> I would have turned this off at the word ganglion. I actually don't even want to know that word anymore. <laughs> stricken it from your memory. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, the whole fucking thing. Gone. Thank you. Well, okay. Yes, we will move on. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed that story. It was all true. Can't make this shit up. <laughs> really can't. So for a lot of you, we hope that you entered the giveaway that we're having. We did mention it last week, uh, yes. but it was supposed to end on Monday. But we being in the Christmas spirit and we both love to give, we did extend it. So we will be announcing the winner today. So make sure you're following us on Instagram and watching for that because the winner will be announced. So we're really excited. We can't wait for our winner to get all the gifts because they're just so amazing and they're all by Canadian or female owned and operated businesses. So that just adds that extra little special something. And we pretty much between the both of us have all of them. I know, but like (laughs) I want more. Can you really have enough of any of that? No, I'm super obsessed with them. Uh, As we talk about all the time um everything that we love about companies female canadian you know as you just said to lord yeah so yep guys well as of the time of airing it's too late for you to enter yeah. <laughs> but we have been seeing so many so many people joining our giveaway even up till tonight which is the night before the giveaways yeah so keep an eye out and uh it could be you so we have an amazing show as always today and yes we do we get into some stuff as mentioned before on the show like we've always been really interested in different relationship styles choices and mostly because we're just like not super familiar it's not something that's like part of our day-to-day and our relationships and our world so to speak but it does exist and we want to know about it. We want to be educated about it. And we know that you guys do too. We've heard a lot from you guys about wanting more information on even just defining terms when it comes to relationships. Like, well, today we talk about polyamorous relationships. So I know that this is something that, you know, Lauren and I, you and I are not alone with in wanting to be more educated on. And uh, we, we finally kind of get to the bottom of a lot of things today. Yeah, we definitely do. Um, we are joined by the very, very lovely Lee. And she definitely has a lot of experience with the LGBTQ community. And she is such an advocate for them, uh, for women, and for just owning your sexuality and who you are and what you want. Uh, That's a big thing that we get into is, especially for women, like, it's okay to say what you want or what you don't want. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, other things that 
come with that and why it's still kind of like taboo and why women still have a hard time expressing that and even talking to their partners that they've been with for many many years and you know the stigma that's around women and just like sex and pleasure in general so we get into that a lot and lee gives us such great information she is like just such a joy to talk to you guys are gonna love the show and she also has a podcast and it's called queers next door um which is fantastic and tons and tons of sex talk of all kinds on that one too so we right up our alley exactly we (laughs) We love that are so happy to be joined from another guest that's in sunny california where we are not (laughs) I know. It's like we just talk to people from California more because we just want to be there with them. Yeah, exactly. But yes, we are so excited to be joined by Lee today. So let's get into it. Welcome to the show, Lee. Welcome, Lee. Lee. Uh, We would love you to tell our listeners who you are and what you do. I am a sex coach. And basically what that means is I work with individuals and with couples to basically talk about any kind of sexual issues that come up. So we work on, you know, relationship communication, mismatched sex drive. Um, I work with a lot of queer and kinky and non-monogamous clients, uh, kind of as my specialty. And then besides the sex coaching, which I do virtually, obviously, since we're still very deeply in COVID over here, the other thing that I do is I Uh, co-host a podcast called Queers Next Door. And then I also write for Hustler Online. Wow. Mostly about sex. you keep very busy. (laughs) I do. You've got a lot going on. And you're a mama. I am. Yep. I got one kid. Amazing. So who are the type of people that would come to you? Are they people in, you know, crisis? Are they people questioning? Like, Who would come see you? You know, it's not often people in crisis, although sometimes it is. Usually it's anyone who has a very specific issue that they maybe don't feel comfortable talking to a more traditional therapist about, or people who have seen, um, who've seen therapists before, but have not felt like their identities were respected so much either you know with the queer or kinky or non-monogamous a lot of times people feel like they have to kind of explain who they are or educate a therapist which can be really tough that is so that's interesting I actually have never even thought about there being different types of therapists like obviously I know that there's people that specialize in one area or another more maybe but I didn't even think that like someone who identifies as from the LGBTQ community Mm -hmm. would want to seek out a different type of therapist but it's not just that like I saw a therapist that I didn't like gel with because they feel like he was just so like not like who I was he was like an older man just did not get it at all so having a type of therapist like that is like it's really complicated because not only are you there to deal with your issues you now also have to to explain yourself, to have someone else like who does not understand you try to make you understand them. It's weird. Yeah. And I think especially when it comes to anything around sex, there's so much shame there that like the last thing you want, it's, it's hard enough to talk to a stranger about sex. The last thing you want is someone who's going to make you feel any kind of shame for anything about your sex life. I think actually it's easier to talk to a stranger about sex for me. When I saw a therapist, I felt completely like 
liberated. Yeah, no, I mean, not liberated, but like I just felt like your job is to listen to me mm-hmm. and advise and like help me where you can, um, you know, give me coping mechanisms or different perspectives or like other ways, like tools to help me deal with whatever my issues are without judgment. And maybe they do judge. Well, they judge behind closed doors anyways, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> But I I believe that they probably don't because obviously you go into that kind of line of work because you care and you're passionate and you truly want to help people. But so there is a difference between being like a therapist and a sex coach or a sexologist. Yeah, the kind of the main difference is I'm sort of like a cross between a life coach and a sex therapist. So it's different training like I'm not a licensed therapist um but I did I am a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist okay so what is like a sex coach though that's what I mean like who I feel like we've never actually defined that on the show we have spoken to some sexologists and sex coaches but we kind of went into it just like on the assumption that we knew what that was but when I think about it, we actually didn't we still define what that means. Yeah. Totally. Well, so so coaches, like any kind of coach, you think life coach or whatever, is someone who's more focused on like helping you get a certain result. Okay. Like it's solutions based. So when you go see a therapist, often you'll see a therapist for years. You know, like I've been seeing my therapist for like this therapist for like three years. With sex coaching, it's more you know, my partner and I are having this issue or I'm noticing that my sex drive has gotten a lot lower and I want to work through that. So that's the one difference is it's more solutions focused. It's less about digging into your past. Mm. Um, Obviously, the ways in which that's relevant definitely come up, but it's not so much like, tell me about your childhood. Yeah, kind of. (laughs) That makes sense, actually. Yeah. And 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 that is a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, I also, you know, it's not around mental illness. So uh, some things may come up, of course, like, I'm going to obviously see folks who also deal with things like depression and anxiety, but that's not I'm not diagnosing or treating anything like that. Um, It's much more holistic, at least the way that I practice. So I do want to know everything that's going on in someone's life because I think, you know, healthy sex life is just one part of being for sure well balanced. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it, and it's true yeah. because if you don't have a healthy sex life or maybe a healthy sex drive or like feel sexy, confident, like just comfortable with sex in general, that is definitely going to play a major part in the rest of your life because if you if it's a confidence thing then you probably have confidence issues in other or vice versa like if your sex drive or sex life is diminishing or you know lacking or suffering or in some way it's probably because of something else right is that something you see too absolutely and sometimes it's something as little as like okay, are you getting enough sleep? Are you stressed? Are you hydrated? Like things that seem really basic, but those do affect your interest in sex and your Okay, I kind of want to touch on that. And I know this is like a blanket statement, but like what is, and I hate the word normal. I don't like the word normal, but what is like a typical sex drive? Like, is there one? Um, how do you know if yours is low? How do you know if yours is high? How do you know if you need to work on it? So there really isn't a typical. It's more of a, I think, like if I work with someone and there's a couple and they say like, you know, like 
her sex drive is low and his is high. I always ask people what that means because some Mm -hmm. people will say, oh, when I say I have a high sex drive, I mean we have sex twice a day. And other people are like, oh, when I say I have a high sex drive, I mean we have sex twice a week. Maybe, right. you yeah. know, so, <laughs> yeah. And so I, so whenever people say that, I just never make an assumption about what that means. It's more, what's the, if things are going great, what's right. the ideal amount of time you like I to I think that's sex? a good thing and, to define, you know, for our listeners in general, no matter what, what works for you guys and what is like a goal instead of trying to adhere to like some norm yeah Yeah. or compare because I feel like that's a big one too like depending on who you're talking to who's in your peer group their situation their status you know for someone who maybe is in a new relationship they could be like yeah I have sex every day or like multiple times a day every day whereas like a married person with a couple kids not naming names I love how are you talking about me and you Uh, right now Um, you know, there's just so many other things going on inside the household and yeah. like with your life, yes. like, layer on the job, layer on taking care of the kids, like all of the things yeah. as parents. I'm not just talking specifically mothers either, like fathers as well. Um, you know, that obviously is going to play a huge part. And I think that that's where people get caught up because they talk to one of their friends and they're like, yeah, we have sex all the time. And then they talk to another friend and they're like, yeah, we like never have sex and then we talk you talk to another friend like I don't know once twice a week like so you feel kind of this pressure to be like well where am I supposed to be like and then especially if your partner is like well we should be having sex way more or like you want sex too much like it's so I think that gets in your head I think for sure it does I mean shaming happens even in relationships you know but even not intentionally you know not intentional shaming just like you talk to people and that's their norm they're not trying to shame you but that's just their norm um and it's so different for everybody that's why it's like and that's what I base you know norms on sexual norms on is talking to people so in my mind I'm like okay what's normal is sex this many times a week and then you know so then I I uh, talk to my partner we're not having sex enough what's going on Meanwhile, we do have a healthy. And sex I would life. say, <laughs> yeah. And I would try. I would try to think of that as like what's average versus what's okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's because better there, wording. There's going to be an average, right? So, like, I don't know exactly what the average is, but and that also know, depends on even, age ranges yeah. too. Uh, like, so I mean, at twenty, so, twenty to twenty-five very different yeah but not just that like how you said lauren the beginnings of relationships versus you know well into a relationship even if you're 45 but you just started approximately 11 years yeah you're probably having a lot more (laughs) sex and with kids you're gonna see a dip yeah and all the i'm sorry i'm thinking about you right now but your home well you don't homeschool them but the kids at home you're working at home well there is just a lot more restrictions and limitations to life right now so yes luckily my kids are in school again but like just I'm not doing as much social activity so I'm not getting that same kind of fulfillment so that does play a factor into like how I feel later on and yeah like in your situation and we didn't um actually mention this but Lee you're in California which is obviously unfortunately like dealing with COVID (laughs) on like a whole other level than we are in Ontario yeah um, but and your daughter is home with you, right? She's in school at home, yeah. 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 And will be until at least next year. So yeah. I mean, I I think that what's 
what's normal or what's not normal is if you're in a place where you're like, I really want to be having more sex and I'm not because I don't know how to talk to my partner about it. Right. That's when it becomes an issue. Or when you're like, I, all of a sudden I had a drop in my sex drive and I don't understand why or what triggered that. That's an issue. And that's when, but if you both like want to have sex once a month and that's awesome and it's exciting and it's fun and you're really busy otherwise and you don't miss it otherwise. There doesn't need to be – we don't need to create a problem where there's not a problem. For sure. And so I know we're going to cover a lot more things in this episode, <laughs> but if that is the only take home, then I think that's fantastic because I think people do put a lot of pressure on themselves when it comes to this topic. And their partner. A, a lot of unnecessary pressure for no reason. Yes. If y'all are both Absolutely. happy with once a month, if y'all are both happy with 30 times a month, who gives a fuck, right? Yep. 100%. And that is really hard to get to is like – just being like, I'm good with this because yeah. you are faced yeah. with yeah. like that comparison all the time. And so I yeah. guess that's why people would come to you. Like, do you see individuals or like, is it couples often? Uh, obviously both. I see both. Um, when it comes to specifically around like sex drive, it will often be couples where one, mm-hmm. where I, I don't even want to say higher or lower, where they're just mismatched, Yeah, you know? Right. And, and sometimes that, is just because of what's going on in their lives like right now (laughs) yeah I think a lot of people are probably having a lot more issues around sex because their stress is so high yeah but totally also I also believe that sometimes it is an incompatibility like some people are not sexually compatible can you become like unsexually compatible is that a word I don't even know if that's a word but no but I know what you're saying yeah it makes sense you can like when say you've been together for you know couple of years and then and things are good otherwise but then just like you're just not jiving in the sack like is that just mm-hmm. because like why would that happen is is that like a something that's underlying in the relationship that maybe the two people haven't like figured out yet yes and no I mean I would say you become incompatible when you both don't want to change it. Like, that's the problem. Like, when I see, let's say I see an individual who's in that. a relationship, but I'm only seeing one of them, and they're like, hey, so our, we're not having sex like we used to, you know? And I can give all kinds of tips for what you can try or ways to spice things up or ways to talk about it. But if the other partner is not interested and is like, I don't feel like having sex anymore. Like, you know, we've been married for 15 years and we have three kids and... Just over it. I'm just kind of over it. That is what I would call sexually incompatible. Because just because you're not in the same place, if you both are looking towards the same goal, then you can get there, you know? But if one person's not on board and the other is... Is that like, that's the end of the relationship too, though? Honestly, I think it I I think it should be. I'm never going to tell somebody you need to break up with somebody. Right. But I tend to I tend to provide a kind of like three doors option, which is like if you're unhappy in your relationship, you have three options. You can keep doing things exactly how you are, which means you're going to stay unhappy. You can change things where whatever that means, however you try that. Or you can leave. I think that's a and hard like, pill to swallow. It is. But I think it's a realistic one. Like, yeah. why sit there stagnant? And, and life is so friggin' short. If COVID has taught us not one thing, it's that. Like, yeah. life is so short. Why sit there and be unhappy? And so if somebody is unhappy sexually, it's it's worth a relationship ending? Like, it, like what 
what importance should we put on sex? That's so that's an interesting one. I was gonna go exactly that route, which is I'll have people say, Well, yeah, but everything else is Yeah, good. that was my question. Because mm-hmm. like, what if you're happy otherwise? Like you feel like this is we're great friends, we get along, we're we're, we're such great uh, team. If there's kids involved, like the house is yeah. maintained, we you know, everything else is good, but then there's just that weird mismatch. Yeah, this mismatch. Yeah. Well, I think it it does depend how it's affecting you. You know, if it's like, no, I really do feel like everything's like everything's okay and maybe we both don't need this as much anymore. Okay. But I I think we sometimes don't allow for sex to be important. Like we tell ourselves like, oh, how dare I like think about leaving this relationship just because I'm not getting my sexual needs met. That's like, um, so that's like such a fantastic point. I think that's something that people don't consider or don't allow themselves think to think about. Because like you said, yes. how dare I? Like, yep. A lot of coaching is around giving people permission. But when does it change from being the priority? When you first meet somebody and you're having sex all the time, if you're not sexually compatible, you're just you're probably just not going to continue. Like, you know what I mean? If the sex yep. isn't good. So when does that change? And how? How the hell does that change? How does it change like where you start off being sexually compatible and then you're not? No. How do you start off giving a shit about being sexually compatible? Because obviously that's the determination, right? If you if you continue or not. And then if you, you know, mismatch and stop being compatible, why does that importance leave? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that's a really good question. I think people deprioritize it. It's that like life gets in the way kind mm. of thing. I I will often tell couples who notice that, you know, sex isn't being prioritized and they want to kind of bring it back to schedule sex. And that seems like a lot of people block at that when they first hear it. They're like, well, that's not fun. And that's not spontaneous. That's not sexy <laughs> or spontaneous. Yeah. And so what I always say is I say, OK, so think about a weekend like this is especially for like longer term couples or married couples like okay think about a weekend and all the things you have to do over the weekend let's say you've got a list of like five ten things you're gonna do how likely are you to do thing number 11 that wasn't on the list and it's like not at all so if you don't even get to the things that you do schedule you're never gonna get to the things you don't schedule and it so instead of saying like, oh, it's not spontaneous, it's not sexy, I say like, well, why is it more important to go yeah. to the grocery store than to have sex? I think people just don't understand or appreciate the importance of the sex in the relationship because otherwise, like, why yeah. are you in a relationship? Like, why are you not just friends, right? Right. Because you want that additional component with that person. Yeah. And and that's... You know, unless you're in, which we will talk about, I guess, like now, and now's a good time, um, a polyamorous yeah. relationship, in a monogamous relationship, that is your one person in which you're receiving sex from. So um, yeah. I think that that is something that you should prioritize with that one partner. And like, I know I already said, if you take one thing from this episode, but if you take one thing from this episode, scheduling sex is not as bad as not having sex, right? And like being unhappy. Scheduling sex sounds like so, you know, shitty, but... Give it a try. It's better to schedule sex and then have it than not. Yep. So then I guess let's segue into polyamory. I know this is something that 
I, I know we have listeners that have literally messaged us when we've talked about this in other episodes being like, okay, can you still explain polyamory? Because I know you talked about it, but I still don't know what it is. So can you explain that for our listeners literally for once and for all? And kind of also for us. <laughs> Absolutely. So if we want to look at an umbrella, non-monogamy is the umbrella, right? So, or ethical, consensual non-monogamy because cheating is non-monogamy too. So take that off okay. and we just say that Non-monogamy means you are open to having sex with more than one person. But is that what – okay, so that's what non-monogamy means. That's not what non-monogamy, polyamory means. And monogamy is you made an agreement to only have sex with the person you're in a relationship with. So really, again, just all comes back down to sex. Yeah, and so the interesting thing about polyamory specifically is polyamory is a kind of non-monogamy – where you are open to having romantic and sexual relationships with other people. It's more than just sex, though, because don't people fall in love? Aren't people, like, dedicating yes. parts of their lives, like, a relationship? Yes, and the the thing with anything that's kind of outside of the norm, there's so many different ways to practice it that one person may call something polyamory that someone else doesn't consider it to be polyamory. But the main – I mean, polyamory literally means many loves – So the idea is that it's a form of non-monogamy where love is an option. Doesn't mean that polyamorous folks don't have, you know, casual sex or one night stands or whatever, but it means that whether they're in like a primary type relationship or not, that there is an openness and a freedom to explore any kind of relationship outside of one primary relationship, for example. So if you're in a polyamorous relationship, like maybe you have like your call it your number one your main or your partner married spouse say you're married yeah a married yeah. spouse and then another partner could be more for like sexual pleasures like desires fantasies and then another partner could be like you're in love with them more for like an intellectual aspect of their personality totally. like and maybe there sure. isn't any sex like is that all within that polyamory realm and obviously yeah. within that like triangle everybody's on board Yep. Yeah. I mean, the main thing is everybody's on board. And yeah, not every relationship even has to be sexual. Um, the The difference between something like swinging, you know, swinging is non-monogamy that is pretty much focused on sex, which again, does not mean that there aren't deep, meaningful relationships and close friendships and things like that. But the purpose of the non-monogamy is like, to have sexual experiences with your partner and someone else or, you know, with your partner's knowledge, but that really are about the sexual component, not, you know, swingers aren't dating usually. Right. Yeah. There's dating no like, other people. It's usually like romantic. a one-off too. Yeah. Right? Like the one time. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Is that, are these people like, I don't want to say like these people are just that participate in polyamorous relationships are just like I don't know too scared to commit to one person but like are they or how do they keep it straight I guess like you know how do you you have your number one sure sure I mean I think so there's there are also going to be polyamorous people who do have primary is a word that people use a lot do you have a primary partner and then other partners who are kind of you know, I mean, secondary is kind of an icky word, but like tertiary (laughs) side, other partners. And some people don't practice hierarchy at all. So all relationships can be as serious or not as serious as they become. Um, 
I would say I don't think it's just about people who can't commit, especially because of the work that goes into it. Like, it's not easy. I was just going to say, I wish I didn't say that out loud because no. as soon as I said it out loud, I'm like, <laughs> that, they're committing a whole bunch, actually. Yeah. It's a lot of yeah. commitments to a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, and I, I think, but, but I think that's a good thing to point out that it does have that initial feeling of like, well, like, what's the deal? Why can't somebody just settle down? Because- that's sort of the script we're given that that's how you're supposed to do relationships. You know, they get increasingly more mm-hmm. serious and then you settle down, you get married, you have kids, whatever. So that's why there's still so much stigma around yeah. these different yeah. types of relationships. And yeah. I don't think the world really has caught up yet. Right. To no, especially we're doing polyamory. A lot better, but you're seeing better yeah. like depictions in the media of non-monogamy. You're seeing like, more people talking about it. Lots of people are interested in it, but but no, generally we haven't caught up. <laughs> when Hallmark comes out with like a polyamorous relationship storyline, mm-hmm. then you know yep. you've made it. Then Polyamory, you, know. you have made it. <laughs> yep. You know what? I also want to say it's certainly not for people with commitment issues because I will tell you I do have commitment issues. Like I have a hard time. I had a hard time settling down. I just moved in with my boyfriend. And okay. it was a hard st- hard thing to do. And this poor guy was with me every step of the way. Like, when I'm having cold feet and panic attacks for moving with them, he's like, it's okay, babe. Like, so supportive. Shout out, the- Ian. <laughs> yeah, shout out, Ian. He's the fucking best. But the thought of moving in now with another guy or, like, committing to another guy on top of this is, like, holy fuck, not even a thought in my mind because sure. of my commitment issues. You know what I mean? Because of, like, it's just too much. So- well, I'll counter that. Okay, and please say do. That actually, like a kind of cool thing about non-monogamy is that it's it's kind of a build-your-own relationship. So there are people who consider themselves solo poly, so they never have primary partners. It's people who say, okay, I'm kind of, I'm my primary partner, and I don't really want to yeah, live with a partner. That. I don't want to get married. I don't want to have kids. I mean, some people may, all those things, but, you know, just like, my independence, my work, my whatever is more important. And so, yeah, I may have like this partner I see on the weekends and this partner who, you know, I visit when I go to the other city where I do work, but I'm my main person. Isn't that just like the definition of casual dating? Yeah, yeah. So kind of, I mean, it is, but I think sometimes people do have long-term Okay. partnerships in that way where it's like like for example I, I'm in a monogamous relationship right now but I've been in polyamorous relationships for like six years um, and so an example of that kind of is I had a partner once for about two years which is a long time who was never a serious partner but did you celebrate like anniversaries and do typical things with them like that so we didn't do as much of those no but it was more than just a person who was like it wasn't just about sex like we were we were very good friends and like had certain like social things we really enjoyed doing together we just had other relationships that were more important and you know right and or had less time for each other but were still meaningful enough in each other's life to kind of stay in this thing that it went like this and then like this. You know, there was no escalation. Like plateaued. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. And I'm the type of person that really needs labels because 
I don't know, probably a therapist would tell me some deep-seated shit. Uh, it, like, I need to define things in order to know what I can expect sure. for, from people. So that's why I yeah. like to know. And where you stand, too. Yeah, yes. where like, I, that's yeah exactly. Something yeah. for you. Are you my good friend? Because, and this isn't just romantic relationships. I need to know if we're, we're good friends, best friends, because then I know how much I can give you. Because otherwise, yep. I'll get hurt. So in romantic relationships, I need to know if you're my person in order to give mm-hmm. you whatever part of me. So for people like me who have to clarify things like that, have to label, have to compartmentalize, how, what mm-hmm. if I did want to be polyamorous? Like, what do I even do? How do I even start? Yeah. I mean, I would say... You know, I would say in that case, it's kind of like, well, maybe, maybe you're the kind of person that if you were polyamorous, you would really want to have a primary partner. Yeah. And so (laughs) you have that primary partner and you have defined between the two of you what that means. So like, let's say you have the discussion and you're like, yes, we want to see other people, but we come first, which means we'll spend holidays together and we'll meet each other's parents and we'll, whatever those milestones are for you. And maybe, like, if we see other partners, we we don't sleep in our bed with other people. Whatever. So um, it's a set of rules yeah. plus, like, the hierarchy of importance. Like, yeah, and I like to land tell there. people to set, like, relationship agreements instead of Manage rules. expectations. Yep. Yeah, just to make sure everyone's on the same page because there are other things to keep in mind if other people are involved. You know, there's obvious practical things like what are your safer sex practices? And then there's just sort of like, you know, the the boring parts of like scheduling and how you want to connect after a partner goes on a date with someone else. Like, I find this would be really challenging to even get into a polyamorous relationship because you may want X, Y, Z, and then you meet somebody and you're in a relationship with them, consider them your primary maybe. Yeah. Or that if I was in a polyamorous relationship, you would be my primary. And so you want to open the doors to that polyamorous relationship. And okay, your primary is open to it. But then you have to find a third person that is also open to your existing relationship dynamic. So like, is that, do you, like in your practice, like, is it common, like polyamorous relationships? Like, I just feel like... That would be a challenge because we are still in a society that is very much focused on that, like, uh, monogamous relationship. Like, that's the right way. And I do that in air quotes because there is still so much stigma around that kind of open relationship because people just go, well, that's just your, like – you know, hall pass to cheat, really. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's your hall pass to not commit. Like, all the things that go with it without really understanding it or taking the time to learn about it to say, like, no, like, I really truly have love for these individuals for different reasons. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. For different reasons, I think, is a good thing to highlight. Yeah, and I think that's why the kind of, like, if we're looking at hetero couples especially or a couple where like more likely a couple where the guy is straight and the woman's bisexual, the Mm. kind of holy grail is to find the unicorn, right? To find the single woman who's into both of them. And the truth is like sometimes that works and that's awesome. And people are in, you know, a triad and everyone gets along and enjoys the relationship what happens, unfortunately, is a lot of times that couple goes out looking for someone to fit in this specific slot 
but doesn't think about them as a person. You know, there's right, there's this right. idea how of they're like, going to serve oh, well, them. our relationship. Yeah, like our relationship's good, but we want somebody else, but not all kinds of other people. Just just one woman who's going to, you know, come over and like us both yeah. equally, want to have sex with both of us, babysit the kids when we go out. And it's like, oh, you're not looking for a person. That's just like a servant <laughs> at that point. For, yeah, yeah. Or like an a, idea. Yeah. And also I think when just going back to when you say like the a male is looking for a man is looking for that bisexual partner. I think that's more of like fantasy driven, don't you? It is. Versus like a genuine polyamorous like yeah. relationship or looking for a genuine polyamorous relationship. That's just like I just want to watch my woman hook up with another yeah. woman because yeah. again, society has like given us that image that that's like what's so hot and that's like the ultimate goal that is the unicorn of course he didn't give any thought of what it would be like to have two girlfriends or two wives did he yeah <laughs> yeah well For real. It's, it is very much yeah. a fantasy kind of thing i mean i i mean i'm a queer woman and so a lot of the hardest part about being on dating sites as a queer woman is how many men yeah. will show up because like, can I watch they're you? like couples looking for someone. And you're like, that's not, if I'm not looking to meet men, I'm also, the last thing I want to do is see four pictures of a woman who seems really interesting and cool and then see the last picture be like some dude. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we're a package deal. And that's like, because that's, again, that's something else. That's just wanting a threesome. Yeah. Like that's something not else. relationship. Which is, which is totally, totally, all these fine. things are obviously totally fine. If everybody is going yes. in with the same expectations and the same wants yeah. and yes. needs, right? And everybody's getting them yeah. met yep. equally. Um, and, I, and I think that's why it, the world has such a hard time catching up with this polyamorous uh, relationship style because there is so many like you know variations that you can put on it yeah yeah. or so many interpretations of it you know it's it might there might actually be variations but then it's everyone's thought process of what it really means the blurred lines too right like we were talking about fantasies because I feel like that's how that would start so that's why I say like how challenging do you think it is to find genuine polyamorous relationships? Because also someone could flat out lie, right? Like they'd be like, yeah, I'm totally into this, but really they are just seeking out their fantasy to be fulfilled. I mean, I think it's easiest when you're talking like, I think the most successful polyamorous people are ones with really strong communication skills Mm -hmm. who, and often kind of like relationship nerds, you know, who's like, like people who really follow the rules, like to get into the, not the rules so much, but like the nitty gritty of talking about feelings and processing like possibilities and like setting expectations and doing all of that. And then the easiest way to meet people is is community, like is yeah. polyamorous communities. Like I'm in Los Angeles. There's a big polyamorous yeah and probably major cities like that's where you're gonna find that larger community and more acceptance within it yeah and then okay so you say communication you know communication yields to probably more successful polyamorous relationships uh is that how you would suggest people navigate things such as you know jealousy when i think of polyamory i think of jealousy uh like i said i need to compartmentalize you're my one person 
how could you be that yeah. with someone else? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that is like the main question when people are thinking about like opening a relationship is how do I manage jealousy? And I, I mean, I really like to think of it as, I guess what I really hear is people who aren't interested in it saying things like, I could never do that. I'm such a jealous person. And like, I, I counter that a little bit because I don't believe that like jealousy is a personality trait. I think it's a feeling. And I think it's a feeling that most people experience. Like a trained feeling? Yeah, like are you conditioned? Like are we, yeah, more conditioned in this society to feel jealous? Because again, when you're supposed to be in this one-on-one monogamous relationship and then someone else enters it, like that's what we've seen in TV, like media mm-hmm. everywhere. That's what you yeah. were raised kind of in, well, at least in our households, right? Like I yeah. come from heterosexual uh, monogamous parents. Uh, so yeah. it's Same. sort of like, well, you can't be having that. You can't be having a third or fourth or fifth person in the relationship. Yeah. Like why would they want that? Why would your partner want somebody else? And then for women, I feel like, oh my God, that's all just compounded because it's like, well, she's prettier than me or skinnier than yeah. me or more successful than like me or sexier too? or like we'll do the kinky stuff and I won't. I'm more reserved. Like all like I just feel like my brain would explode. Like I'm I would be open yeah. to the idea of it personally. But I think just all the thoughts that come with it would make me suck at it. <laughs> well, and I think the people who do the best are not people who don't have those feelings or those thoughts, because I do think they're really common and they're really natural. But it's people who are willing to kind of do the work. Like even in the people that are participating in the polyamorous relationships? Yes, Absolutely. You're going to find some people who are like, I just don't really ever feel jealous. And I feel this like there's a polyamorous word, um, compersion. Never I don't know heard if you've that. ever heard no. that. But it's experiencing joy at somebody else's joy. So it's like, oh, when I see my partner go on a date, it just gives me a warm, fuzzy feeling. That's awesome. <laughs> like my Jess is not life. feeling compersion. <laughs> some I people never, never feel it. I think that I would be mad like okay if I'm coming home and I'm having a shitty day I want to come home to you and you're on a fucking date like what yeah but I think that would be where the primary and the yeah but he still is entitled to have a date even if he's my primary right he's just not at my beck and call well he absolutely well here's the thing he's entitled to I mean I I would look at that and say I mean everyone's entitled to do anything right right? but that doesn't mean it's respectful or it's good in a relationship he's entitled to have a date if you're in a monogamous relationship but you're not not gonna want to stay with that guy (laughs) and fuck that guy you know what I mean so I think it's more of how how we talk about it because like if he's on a date when you want to see him, that's not about the other woman. Yeah. That's about you not feeling like you're getting enough attention. Right. Yeah. Which is a valid need. Yeah. If I was feeling like I got enough attention, I'd be like, okay, I'll just talk to you tomorrow when you're not on a date. Yeah. So it's called being like a solid human being. And that's why I could never be in a polyamorous <laughs> No. I mean, I think that's how people, that's the best way to deal with jealousy is getting to a place where you can stop and say, okay, but like what? what is the need here that's yeah. not being met? And if you have a partner who can meet that need in other ways. I feel like nine times out of 10, polyamorous, monogamous, like any kind of relationship um, label aside, when you're feeling certain things, I think you're it's you. Like it's not really what's happening yeah. in the relationship. And we as 
People yeah. don't like to actually like reflect and introspect it's and much be like, oh, it's actually just my problem. <laughs> like yeah. there's something that I'm yeah. dealing with and I'm projecting it onto you because that's easier, right? Like you said, yeah. Jess, like it, I want you to fix my problem. Like that's yeah. a hum- the human condition. And it's vulnerable to say like, I'm feeling lonely or I'm not feeling pretty enough or I'm not feeling like you're as attracted to me as you used to be. Those things are hard to say. So instead it's like, well, fuck you, you're out with somebody else. Yeah, you know, that is like true. It, and then you want to blame the other person, especially if you don't know the other person that they're out with and you're just like. Ugh. So as we're talking, I'm thinking, okay, like I think I could be mature enough, you know, this is all hypothetically speaking. My boyfriend could hear me and I'd be like, what the fuck? I'm already laughing. I know. I think I could be mature enough to date a bunch of guys. Like, how fun would that be? 100% no, you are not. <laughs> Even when I'm single, I'm not mature enough to date a bunch of guys. Um, but I'm like, this could be kind of fun. Like, I could. This is a bold faced lie. Jessica. I know. I'm. I, I should stop. <laughs> Because it sounds like so fun in theory. That was like that was a good yeah like uh, you know a theory yeah. that you had. But it for does. Yourself. It sounds fun in theory. But- like you can date, but then you have your. But I'm not like that Sarah- at all. I need like I'm so needy. I guess I'm, I need to come home every single day and have my boyfriend be like, "Hello, beautiful person." Like the like I worship you. You are the light of my yeah. life. And not just, like, when That's I see okay. him, though, like, all day, every day. So, like, I don't have time to date other people. <laughs> I feel like... It's a me you... problem, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. But I also feel like, you know, the polyamorous idea seems great when you're mad or annoyed at your partner. Yeah. It's like, you know what? If I just had someone else, this would be perfect. Yeah, like, if I went on a date right now, you know what? He wouldn't be saying that shit. <laughs> <laughs> or he would be like bye girl bye yeah no Ian, Ian couldn't stand for any of that the other thing is it's not for everybody yeah. you know and I, I I think the I think the important thing when we start to understand different relationship styles is that like monogamy is great if it's a choice the problem yeah. with monogamy is that it's a default is that we go into relationships not thinking there are other options because I'll, you know, I'll get people, especially when I was yeah. polyamorous myself and working with mostly polyamorous couples, like a kind of like, do you think polyamory is better or more evolved or whatever? Not at all. I really don't. I just think that, and and do I think monogamy is boring and, you know, whatever? No, I just think it's a bummer if people feel like they have to be monogamous and that's not right. Yet another thing we're we not taught in school. To it. It, yeah, yeah, we talk. We, we always do this. Where all we the time. We talk about <laughs> pretty much with every guest because our guests have like, you know, so much expertise and insight and perspectives and prof- like say profound things where we're like, if you just taught me that in school, I probably would have just been like a way more well-rounded human in my yeah, adult life. Just being aware um, of these things. But yeah, we're not exposed to it. Tell me one thing that you would see on TV, like one show, mm-hmm. you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s. Even that still. Give you that indication. Or now, exactly. I've That's why I said, one like, show. if right. Hallmark came out with a yeah. movie of a polyamorous <laughs> relationship storyline yeah. and that was like more normalized, then people would feel that they do have that choice. But 
like you said, Lee, like you you don't grow up thinking that there's alternative options, which probably plays yeah. a huge role into if I feel like, you know, I'm I'm realize I'm gay or I'm queer, like whatever the situation is, you can't just like say that. And I mean, we think about how heteronormative everything is still, even though everyone knows <laughs> There, you know, gay people have been around forever, but there's still most of what we see is super heteronormative. And so mononormative is a thing, too, which is pretty much everything we see. Like, I didn't even learn about polyamory. To be honest, I think where I did learn about polyamory or heard the word for the first time was from Willow. No, was from Willow Smith when it like kind of broke the internet when she met talked about it on the red table talk with her mom and her grandma and she said well I'm polyamorous and then that just like spiraled because I think I mean these are pretty big celebrities and yeah they're on social media doing these this this show and so millions and millions people heard her say that she's also a very young woman and she's so young that blew people's mind because that opened the doors to be like, well, what is that? Does that, and I think her grandma even said like, oh, well, does that just mean you have sex with multiple people? Like, and no, don't commit yeah. to anybody. And so she had to go into and explain it. And it, it was like, it wasn't something that uh, Jada or her grandma easily digested. And that was the first yeah. time I like really heard the word and then like kind of got a bit of an explanation but by no means did I understand it and that's what kind of piqued my curiosity because I was like is this like a new thing or is this just trending like what is it with anything I mean we either learn about it in school we know someone who fits that description or we have it represented in the media so if we know we didn't learn about it in school and if you don't know any other people who are polyamorous, you're not seeing it in the media either. So it's not surprising. Yeah. No, the first time I heard about it for sure was like, like probably on our podcast, to be very fucking honest with you. Like, I never knew yeah. about this. I never knew it was an issue. I knew about cheating. I knew about, you know, being single right. and and having, you know, casual or dates. Just casual dating. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but sure. I had no clue that I could... Um, equally love or or have love for somebody. Maybe it's not equal, but have love for multiple people. Actual love, not just mm-hmm. sex. It's um, interesting how you even said that, Jess, that you just said, I had no clue that I could. Which means yeah, like yeah. you, yeah. the language Am you use is like you <laughs> you needed to have permission. Yeah. 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 You no, it's true because otherwise it would be so taboo so stigmatized so judged so shameful as well like your parents yep. probably wouldn't accept it my i don't think mine would they would be very my mom would be like are it. you fucking kidding <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about mm-hmm. is what my mom would say to me I'd be like mom this is a thing sure. like that's not a thing <laughs> no it, it, it'd be something that it would yeah. be very hard to explain to my family you know, and and I guess because of that, I've never entered or had this discussion with a partner. So I wouldn't even know where to begin to have this discussion with a partner or a potential yeah. partner or anything like that. Yeah. And that kind of goes back to like where the sex coaching can be really good for people because people who are in like polyamorous relationships, the other thing that can happen is even if they find a practitioner or a therapist who's totally cool with it, they're still like, if they say I'm having a problem in my relationship it's immediately like oh well it must be because you're not monogamous it's like that's the go-to sometimes the problem in the relationship is like 
Sometimes the problem is I am monogamous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the problem is you're monogamous or sometimes the problem in a polyamorous relationship is communication or sex. So that just made me think of something else. How much, how much weight, how much emphasis, how much like mind strength do people put in that monogamous relationship? And it kind of like consumes them. It doesn't let them like explore other things. This could possibly be a problem. Like you said, sometimes the problem is a monogamous relationship when I should be like, I don't know, elsewhere or with other people too, instead of just on this one person. I thought I'm supposed to be in a monogamous relationship where this is, I care about this other person. But I don't have brain power for that. So should I be with more or, you know what I mean? But less, less intense. But is that a thing that you see with your clients at all, Lee? Yeah. I mean, what, what that made me think of was I'll run into a lot of people who thought they were just bad at relationships because they always cheated or they would just do kind of uh, one relationship after the other. And they were like, I'm a shitty person, I'm a shitty partner. And then they were like, oh no, I'm just not monogamous. So I wasn't good at this thing that isn't who I am. Right, they needed something else. That must be such a crazy revelation for people because again, we've talked about it. you needing like acceptance. We've talked about you, Lee, kind of giving people permission, like your patients or your clients, um, because they just don't like know that that's an option. And then- to come and see someone like you, like a sex coach or a sexologist or a therapist that kind of specializes more in these areas, and you just say, like, maybe you're just not yeah. monogamous. Do you say that to people? Yeah. I mean, kind of, yeah. yeah. do you actually say that to people? I- <laughs> like, you need to be dating other people as well. <laughs> I never say you need to be dating other people, but I do say, is dating other people an option for you? Yeah. Maybe monogamy is just not for you. You know how back in the, well, none of us know, but like back in the day when, you know, homosexuality was something that was just so untalked about and people didn't know that they were homosexual because it was so mm-hmm. taboo, so untalked about. Um, and they're, but they knew they were different or something wasn't working or something wasn't meshing with what they were currently doing, yep. um, which would have been heterosexuality. I bet you this, a lot of people feel this way, especially in this day and age where monogamy is kind of, I wouldn't say going out, but like it's, it's evolving. Yeah. People are evolving. It's not the only way that people need to live or have to live or should live. Um, so because they know now that there's options. Exactly. And that's what I mean. They probably feel like at the beginnings of when something starts to become known about or or accepted, um, this, this is probably where we're at with polyamory. And I bet you let's look in 50 years, what that looks like for people. What, how many more people will be polyamorous and how many more people will have happier relationships? You know, when we talk with Lady Pim about this, she was like, how can we freaking expect one person to satisfy all of our needs, to really meet all of our needs? Yeah. And it forever. is insane. Forever. Literally forever. And yep. I wonder this. How the fuck is this guy, one guy, supposed to, I'm like pointing at him. <laughs> how is this one guy supposed to, <laughs> Ian, how are you? Yet. You're asking him the question literally. Yeah, get in here. <laughs> no, but how is he supposed to, you know, be that one person? That is so much pressure. That is so scary. Like, yeah. But that's the same for you. How are you supposed to be that one person for somebody else? Like the pressure and burden of fulfilling somebody's everything. And I would argue 
that you shouldn't be, even if you're monogamous. Right. Even if you're both decided that monogamy is right for you and you're not going to have sex with other people, it's important to get needs met in different ways. Oh, 100%. And yeah. so, you know what I mean? Like yeah. having friends separate from each other, yeah. having people who are really into this one thing that you're really into and your partner's like, that's super boring and I don't care about it. You know, like yeah. really <laughs> having... <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons? Ew. <laughs> Yes, because I think that's where it, that idea of not one person can meet all your needs, I think it's relevant even yeah. if you're monogamous. Oh, 100%. To remember that. I fully agree with that. I and mean, I do think we people, love our girlfriends, so. But yeah. yeah, we do. And we're lucky we have such like great yeah. core group of friends. But I do yeah. think that yeah. it's an easy thing to kind of fall into though, because especially yeah. when maybe the relationship is more long-term and maybe there is children or like, you know, there's commitments within like financial commitments together, you, you and then work yeah. on top of it. Like you kind of just don't make the time or have the time to seek what fulfills you elsewhere because it's kind of hard. Yeah. Like that takes work yeah. too, right? And then it's like, yeah. and then that's why I think couples – kind of get into that like bad rut because you don't maybe realize but right in front of you you're just like it's because I don't want you right now like I want to go have a drink with my friends I that's why I don't feel like having sex like to go back full circles because like I haven't done anything else but look at your stupid face for the last nine Nine months yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think people are having way less sex in quarantine I agree they're tired of looking exactly like, oh, we're we're here for still we eat every meal together. We work in the same place. You're the only person who I see. Still like, you. Oh, we had still here. a yep. divorce lawyer on a few weeks ago and she was just saying she's never been busier in her entire career. I'm not surprised by that at and all. And nor am I. This is like a, well, obviously this is an insane time, but like yeah. nobody can expect to deal with a pandemic in a normal relationship course. You know, all the issues that happen or could potentially happen in a relationship. Nobody could have anticipated this. So this is a separate time. But like, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm a very sexual person. I love to have sex. Even I have had a decline in a sex drive this entire COVID. Yeah. You know, depression, a lot of things have contributed to this. And I found myself... Even though, like I said, I have a very high sex drive, I found myself literally being like, oh, I have to have sex tonight because we haven't had sex today and oh, that's exhausting. You put, that's again, putting <laughs> pressure on yourself. For no fucking reason. Yeah. I mean, the pandemic aside, like relationships are hard enough to balance and manage. But one of the things I want to ask about polyamory, do you find or do you know if it is like, is there more female polyamorous relationships or like heterosexual, same-sex polyamorous relationships or non-same-sex polyamorous relationships. Oh my God, that's a mouthful. Um, and, and I know that's like probably not a stat that you could have, but like in your experience, like have you, do you see one or the other more? So yeah, in my experience, um, I would say that when I was more involved with like the larger polyamorous community in LA, it was, I mean, it was hetero-leaning you know, or more like male, female couple leaning, but probably a lot more people who identified as bisexual. A lot of people dated like men, women, and kind of a mix there. But then I was also really involved yeah, that in makes like. Sense. Yeah. And then I was really involved in like the queer polyamorous community. And I would say that, like, I ran a meetup, I helped run a meetup for a while. And I would say that was almost entirely women and non binary folks. So few men. Because I, and this is 
again, it's like a big, broad generalization, but um, there's gay men are often more open to non-monogamy and have been longer. Like they invented non-monogamy in some ways. So it's like, well, we don't need a meetup or like to be part of. We've been doing this for a this, whole like, minute. Yeah, we're good. You know, like that. So I, I do think that like you see less like specifically gay men, but otherwise I, I see it kind of across genders and orientations bisexuality makes sense because it's like you get one of both (laughs) you're attracted to both you get one of both right and quite frankly i mean and this could be like a really like you know wild statement but like in a way there is like bisexual elements in a heterosexual relationship because like i i personally uh, have been in a long-term heterosexual relationship but I love my girlfriends. They serve yeah, all of those purposes aside from the sexual element, but everything else. And like, we're yeah. I'm touchy with my girlfriends. We're very like close. Yeah. Like we have no problem being naked yes. together, lying naked together. There's absolutely no sexual element to it. But we're just like, that's like, we yeah. just love each other that much. Like we're just like, we're good. And we talk about everything yeah. and there's no like secret. So it's, you know, you're it's kind of, to me, like similar. I love that. That's got to play a part in how we operate, Lauren. Like, we're not polyamorous. We're not, we're, we're only heterosexual monogamous and probably always will be. But we do have huge fulfillment from other people in, in, a, in a platonic way. You know what I mean? Like, it's so important. It's so fulfilling. Sometimes even more fulfilling. Yeah, than for sure. Than romantic partners. You feel the closeness because... My friends understand me far more than any man ever will, even my own partner. Like, um, so you feel that closeness, you feel that bond. And I know when I'm talking to my girlfriends, like there is the utmost trust there, more trust again than I probably will feel with any man. Like the, it's these things that you can't force, but we have them. And it happens to be with a woman in a non-romantic way. Well, I mean, like this has been so super informative about polyamory, like, I really yeah. I'm glad we got that deep dive because I think like it it's something that is up and coming and it is important that people understand the definition of it outside of just like this you know stigma or misconception that's just I don't want to commit or like I like yeah. it's you know the free pass to cheat or anything like that um because again going back to what you said Lee earlier is that people need to know that they do have a choice and like monogamy doesn't have to be that choice and you're allowed like you're allowed to have a choice like just because society still sort of dictates like what like and again what you said the script and sort of gives us that like playbook of like nope this is what you do and even if you are um like gay or lesbian like I think still monogamy is kind of pushed on you it is yeah Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, I just, I hope that our listeners take away that you do have a choice and it's okay and you don't have to feel ashamed and you don't have to worry about like what other people are going to think about you because at the end of the day, like it's your life. Live your truth. Exactly. But I mean, we, we started talking about it and I did want to kind of just like go back a little bit to the desire thing. Yeah. Because in a relationship when that sex drive does kind of you know taper off or like you lose it and you said like give people three doors 
I feel like in that situation, though, it, it, and especially if it is in a heterosexual relationship, that women just, like, absorb the blame. And, like, they think there's something wrong with them or, like, it's a hormonal thing. Like, it's all their libido. Yes. I love you bringing this up. Yeah. Like, it kind of gets put on the woman to fix it and figure yeah. it out. Whereas the man is like, well, yeah, I'm I'm doing a great job. Like, obviously, there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. I'm touching you here. I'm yeah, touching you there. Jack Rabbit yeah, Jack Yeah, and <laughs> and this was working for you for the past like three, four, five years. Like, what do you yeah. mean? Like, you love this? And I think women are very afraid to be like, I don't love that anymore, or for mm-hmm. whatever reason. And and I can even speak to that from personal experience. Like, as a woman who's had children, like it did change. Yeah. Like all of the areas. Um, and and then also as you get older and maybe for women that come in like into a certain age, like they feel more confident. How do you how would you advise someone to like bring that up with a partner? Because I think that's a scary thing that is a super vulnerable and b like you might feel that you're going to offend your partner or insult them, upset them, whatever. And like or be embarrassed. Yeah. Or yeah. It's it's a tough one. I mean, I think I think something that can be really helpful, especially for women to understand, is that there's different kinds of sexual desire. And like that you know, I, I don't buy into like the full like binary of like men are more visual and women are this and there's only one way that people do it. But there does tend to be like a lot of times men have an easier time with sort of spontaneous arousal which is just kind of like, you want to have sex? All right, let's go. Mm-hmm. Women don't totally. a lot of times. No, and so understanding not. that can be a really good place to start from. And then you can talk to your partner about it because, you know, it's not just about foreplay, like right before sex. I think that's what we think of. It's like, oh, well, yeah, women need a little bit more. So longer foreplay. It's like, no, it's it's more the context in which you have sex, which is like a lot of times people just need yeah. to not feel stressed. Like sometimes totally. it's not it's not telling a guy like he needs to go down on you longer. Sometimes it's like you need to do the fucking dishes. So I'm not thinking about yeah. it while we're having sex. That's the foreplay because right. if the dishes aren't done, you can go down there for an hour, but there's no way my mind is going to get around yes. having an orgasm right now. Well, yes. that comes into love languages too, it right? Does. Like, yeah. I need your service. That's what my love language is where as some people are like, I need the affection. I don't give a shit if we're living in a friggin' pigsty. I just want you to like tell me you love me and yep. touch me and be affectionate with me where like and then some people are like buy me stuff like and then i'll be but there's not a guy in the world that i think that would not be able to come because the dishes aren't done like yeah guys don't have that the way women do absolutely and you know taking like a love languages quiz with your partner can be a really good way to do it because then you know there's real easy ones online (laughs) and then you just tell your partner the same thing where like if he's like i i don't understand why you need the dishes done what does it have to do with sex then you could look through you know whatever his top one is and if it's quality time for example the dishes you with could, me <laughs> you could be like it's just see go. why this matters to you well this matters to me and here's why it's it's not about the dishes but it's about me being in a headspace yeah. where I can be fully present. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I think literally all women can relate to not having that headspace to come. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's what yeah. lacks majorly in the relationships too is 
being able to have that conversation and it be accepted and like again for heterosexual partners a woman saying that sort of thing to a man is like i need this like and and i want women to know like it's okay you can be like yeah i don't care if you want to have sex right now i don't and this is what i need and if you don't want to do that then i guess we're not having sex like I do think that women feel pressured too because like, again, that's just what they're supposed to do and like you're supposed to please your man and like it's your body, it's your mind, it's your your call, quite frankly. Yeah, it really is. And I think when when you get into a situation, especially if like the woman has a lower sex drive and the man has a higher sex drive in this, you know, in this scenario – you get into this horrible cycle where the person with the lower sex drive always feels guilty. Totally. Mm-hmm. And then that plays into the sex too because how the hell is yes. your mind going to get wrapped around performing or orgasming when you feel that way? You're filled with guilt and then the person who's asking all the time and getting no feels rejected. Yeah. And it's this like kind of gross resentment cycle yeah. where like a lot of times uh, I'll see women who – get into a place where they don't even want to be touched. I've been and there. like, I didn't think, and yeah, and they're like, I didn't think my sex drive was this low. And it's not about low. It's about touch equals sex. 1,000%. And if that's the setup in your relationship, that touch equals sex, and you don't want to have sex because, you know, the dishes are done. Because you just or don't. Because <laughs> you're, you just don't. You just don't feel like it. Or your partner's not really connecting with you during the day. So it's the last thing on your mind then if touch equals sex, then even that kind of intimacy of just like cuddling or like squeezing as you walk past, as soon as you catch yourself like recoiling from any kind of touch, that's usually what's going on. Yeah. And I have been there, um, truth be told. And it's really challenging because like you do have all the other elements like rejection and then like frustration. And then you get into that like obligatory sex right and i don't think that's really good for anybody for anybody yeah it's not Mm -mm. yeah it's not but i think like a main takeaway though is like whether you've been with someone for one week or you know 20 years like you're allowed to change and if at any point like that partner isn't open to you having that conversation like that's a major red flag and even if you have invested like half your life into them like you're allowed to like have a change or make that change or want to change because you know in the different conversations that we've had with other women and just like in our life um there is like the serious fear around a change and b leaving a relationship so and i think a lot of it can stem from like just start off with sex and like how that's going and because you're too afraid to have that conversation or the person was like not having it where they're like no i'm not we're not doing that like You know, so like I just I just wanted to like call out that women, you know, you're allowed to like change your mind basically. Yeah. And you're allowed to ask for what you want. Yeah, totally. And that's one of like the 10 takeaways we've had in this episode. (laughs) Thank you so much to Lee and all of your information. And like, you know, I think that people will listen to this, feel more educated, feel more empowered, feel more, you know, in control of their sex life, their sexuality as we want as our goal is for women so another successful episode and that's one part to you lee and we're very very thankful for you to be here well thank you so much for having me this was super fun and also if any listeners want to find me another cool thing about being a coach (laughs) and not a therapist is that um i can see people in any state in any country so i don't have to just be like 
seeing folks in California. Don't have to be so, on the couch. Sure. So nope. please plug in where people can find you. Yeah, best place to find me is uh, either my website, which is Sex Coach Lee, or my Instagram, also Sex Coach Lee. So sexcoachlee.com or at Sex Coach Lee. And Lee is spelled L-E-I-G-H. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. this has been so amazing. And um, I'm so glad we got to chat about all the things we talked about tonight. And as always, you follow can follow us at Herspective underscore podcast. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And let us know your thoughts. Uh, this was a this was a pretty like big one in terms of like, you know, the topics we covered. So for sure. Thank you again and hopefully we get to chat to you another time. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Bye. Bye.